It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. And of course, if you are signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use promo code THPN. A lot of fun stuff going on in the world of daily fantasy sports. You've got the NHL. Of course, you've got the NBA on weekends. We've got NFL, Major League Baseball. Well, yeah, it's, it's wrapping up, but... Next year, you can play Major League Baseball, Golf, UFC, all that on DraftKings. Join today. A lot of fun. Use promo code THPN. And speaking of a lot of fun, we've got a very fun show for you today here on the Other Connor Podcast. Roundtable edition. TSN 1260's Matthew Iwanek and the Nation's Tyler Emshuk. He's everywhere. Blue Jays Nation, Oilers Nation, Daily Faceoff. Lots of stuff going on with Tyler. They will both join me later on in the podcast. But before we get to that... Got to do a little quick rundown of what's going on with the Edmonton Oilers. And, of course, they're playing some pretty good hockey, continuing to win games. Uh, their last win coming on a Monday evening as they defeat the Seattle Kraken 5-2, to a game in which Leon Dreisaitl absolutely went off. Two goals, two assists, four points total as the Oilers defeat the Kraken to improve their record to 7-1. and Some things that stood out in that game for me, uh, sloppiness in, in certain areas. Uh, not the best game for Evan Bouchard, but... You know you're going to take that in a game when you win 5-2. to two. Duncan Keith scored his first goal of the season. Drysaddle and McDavid picking up the helpers on that one. Uh, of course, Kyle Turris gets his first goal of the season as well. A goal with a beautiful pass from Devin Shore. A tap-in for the veteran and a guy who might be the happiest guy in the city after scoring last night, Kyler Yamamoto. He scored the fifth goal for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, garbage goal, yes, but for him, it does not matter. Hopefully that helps the young winger get his confidence back. He scored that at 12.22 of the third period. Leon Drysaddle with the helper there. For the Edmonton Oilers, they now turn their attention to the Nashville Predators, who they'll take on Wednesday night. It's a rare 6.30 start down at Rogers Place. So pregame coverage on TSN 1260 with Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself will get going at 530 TSN 1260 if you want to check that out. But uh, for the Oilers, they'll be taking on a team in the Nashville Predators that started to turn things around, started off with a bit of a slow season, uh, winners of three straight going into their matchup on Tuesday night against the Calgary Flames. So we'll see what they're able to do. Speaking of the Calgary Flames, what is going on? 
We've got a battle in the Pacific Division between the two Alberta teams. Not something I thought I would see coming. I don't know if that's going to change down the road. Maybe the uh, the Calgary Flames run out of momentum. Maybe they keep it up. Maybe the Oilers run out of momentum. Who knows? But uh, definitely good to see. It's good for the NHL when the two Alberta teams are fighting for first place in their division. After that, the Oilers will take on the New York Rangers on Friday night. That's when they will be retiring the number four for Kevin Lowe. So, uh... Lots of stuff going on right now for the Edmonton Oilers, and we're going to talk about that with our two guests here. Tyler Yaremchuk, Daily Faceoff, Oilers Nation, Blue Jays Nation, joins us as well as Matthew Iwanek of TSN 1260. Of course, right now filling in on the Dave Jameson Show. He is the daily host. Shout out to Jamo. You can catch Maddie at noon on TSN 1260. Monday through Friday. Guys, thank you so much for doing this today. How are you doing? Good. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> bring in the energy early on okay guys we'll start it off with this uh the the real reason i brought you in here i was going to get low tide and hernan on the show today but i really didn't trust their opinion on my first question and last Hold night yeah well, we're the backup plan here well yeah yeah straight up you guys are the backup <laughs> plan here and uh I, i'm really glad we got you wow. on here because first things tyler you sound crisp right now i don't know what, what your setup is but it sounds really good yeah, I got a, a Shure MV7 mic, a, a Rodecaster Pro running everything, Connor. I, I got I got it set up over here. Maddie, what are you using today? I'm using my headphones for that I got with my Samsung phone. I think it's an AKG. Nice. That's nice. it. Yeah, well, you sound okay, too. Not up to Tyler's level. He's kind of kicking our ass here when it comes to quality. But yeah. either way, no, I'm just joking. You guys weren't my backup. I, I wanted the youth here because I, I want to get the reviews on the Oilers New goal song, uh, Ref Theory, Hell Yeah, Finally Retired. They've got the new one. It took me a little while to adjust to it last night after about the third goal, though. I was humming the song. I was starting to feel it. Looks like the crowd's getting into it. You guys are down at the games. You see it a little bit more. I'll play a little bit of it. You tell me what you guys think. Tyler, I know you're a big music guy. What are your thoughts on it? At first, I would like the first couple times I heard it, I was like, ooh, that's kind of weird. Like, you know, I was kind of hoping they might have used La Bamba or maybe something a little bit more modern, even. Um, but after hearing it for a few times, I actually think it's pretty good. It's something that a crowd can kind of chant along to. It makes you kind of bob your head a little bit. You know, it only plays for what, like 30, 40 seconds. So it's repetitive. But in that 30, 40 second blip, I think it does a good job of kind of getting the crowd moving a little bit, which is kind of the goal of a goal song. How about you, Maddie? Yeah, the first game, I guess the biggest focus at is what song was it? And they have the speakers <laughs> rather low for some reason on the opener that it took me a while to figure out what it was. So initially, I didn't think it was anything special. But by game two, when I heard it, I don't know. It just worked. It has, as your Emtrick said, it gets your head moving. Um, you know, it's got a really good beat. And to me, it's actually worked out really well. Oilers game presentation could get ripped for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But I think in the end, they actually did it right with this goal song because it works. It brings that good energy that the fans could, you know, use and celebrate, you know, once the Oilers score a goal. So I actually really liked it in the end. And um, yeah, I hope they keep it for some time. What's it like down there when the Oilers get that victory? We've seen it a lot. We've heard La Bamba get played a lot. I mean, do the fans get the correlation there between La Bamba, Joey Moss, and everything like that? I would think so. I think right off the bat, just even just when you look at um, just on Twitter, just the reaction to it, I think everyone knew right off the bat 
why La Bamba was being played and that it was for Joey Moss. And, um, you know, at the games, when the Oilers win, the crowd brings it. And it's it really adds, I think, to the whole atmosphere after an Oiler win. So um, I think it's all really good so far when it comes to the Oilers wins. And Oilers fans have seen quite a few of those so far. Um, but absolutely, I think fans knew exactly what it was from the very first game. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there was any confusion there. I think it was talked about enough kind of in the media and, and amongst fans online as well that, that they picked up on it pretty quick. Uh, one more before we get to the actual on-ice product with the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, uh, victorious on a Monday night. Big 5-2 win over the Seattle Kraken. Uh, this Friday, Kevin Lowe does get his jersey retired, number four going up to the rafters. Obviously, the reason Chris Russell swapped to number six for this season uh, now, I'm a little older than you guys. I didn't really get a chance to see Kevin Lowe in his prime, obviously, uh, when he came back to the Oilers and when he was the team in the management role. But uh, starting with you, Matt, what was a, a Kevin Lowe memory for you that stood out? Uh, well, you don't obviously you don't have anything for myself, at least as a player. Uh, you know all the stories, though, you know, even reading just various books about the 80s Oilers and stuff and just how tough Kevin Lowe was. Um, but for me, it's kind of just in a personal, I've had a few interactions with Kevin Lowe in my life and he's always just the nicest human being that you could come across. I remember once bringing up for an interview with Jason Greger and, uh, you know, my last name was close to a, f- a former oil Kings and Travis Awanek. He was asking for related and I-, I told him no, that I'm the better one. Um, but beyond that, like it was just always, whenever we've come by Kevin Lowe, he's just really nice. I remember when he was elected into the hall of fame. Uh, booked him to join Dave Jamison on his show. And as soon as he called in, like he remembered my name for some reason. I don't know if someone gave it to him ahead of time or something, but he asked me, he's like, hey, Matt, how you doing? So like everyone talks about Kevin Lowe as a player and how he was just nasty on the ice. He would just be physically beating on other players. But off the ice, he was just he's, he is just a very kind person. Uh, and on top of that, I, I look at Kevin Lowe and I think, this is a guy that could have left the city of Edmonton a long time ago. This is a guy that's not from here. He's from Quebec. Um, he's dealt a lot of heat from Oiler fan base, but he is stuck around with this organization. And uh, while being a GM, you know, he got them close in 06, but nothing came of it afterwards. And there was a lot of problems with this team, the decade of darkness. But in the end, the one thing you cannot take away from Kevin Lowe is his love for this team. He bleeds copper and blue, you know, blue and orange, whatever you want to call it. He bleeds that. And he wants to and always always wanted to win with this team. And I'm glad he's getting his day on Friday. Yeah, I mean, just a lifer with the team, assistant coach in 1998, obviously his playing career, but then a head coach in 99, uh, promoted to GM eventually. Then he was president of hockey operations. Tyler, what do you remember about Kevin Lowe? Uh, like, you know, first memories are kind of 06, but at the time I was kind of too young to understand his role in all of that. And then my first sort of real memories personally of him are kind of the bad ones, right? Mm-hmm. It's the tier one, tier two fan thing that he kind of did and his I know a thing about winning and whatnot. Um, and there was, you know, obviously a lot of Oilers fans who really despised him after that. But I think as time's kind of gone on and I've also, you know, learned a little bit more about what he meant to those cup winning teams in the eighties and what he meant to that 06 team. And like, you know, you, you, you have a bigger appreciation for him. And like Matt said, I think the fact that he has stuck around here and he's always been around the Oilers in sort of whatever role they've wanted him to have, he's done it and, and, to, to at least my knowledge, always tried to do it to the best of his abilities, right? Like he is an oiler. He bleeds copper and blue, right? Throw all those cliches out there. So I, I like the fact that his number's going up to the rafters. He obviously played a huge part of those dynasty teams. And like Matt said, you don't like 
people who have known him or who talk to him never really say anything bad about him. I even know a couple of guys around the Oil Kings organization who were like, yeah, you'll see him at the Starbucks down the street on game days and he'll always come over and chat with you about the team. Like everyone just says, like, he's just, he's so nice. Yeah, I, I actually had a story too similar to that, like walking with Corey Graham back in the day when I was doing the on-site production for Oil Kings. And, you know, he, he made a kind of a beeline to Corey Graham with his wife at the time, continued to talk to me as well. I was kind of like, you know, you don't have to pretend to talk to me, but I think that's just who he is. <laughs> and you actually, on the ice too, though, or like with what he did as a GM, you look at what he did in 06, there were some very key moves that helped the Oilers get to that cup run. Like it was the summer where he traded for Chris Pronger, Mike Pekka, but then during the year he traded for Dick Tarmstrom and Yaroslav Spachek midseason. And then it was the deadline. He brought in Dwayne Rolison and Sergei Samsonov. He actually was a brilliant GM that season and helped build that team for what it was for 06. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just another thing for people to look at, but, uh, obviously going up for the playing days, uh, good to see it finally happen. Uh, I threw it out there on the Jason Greger show on a Tuesday, just asking, is there anyone that comes to mind that would be the next person to have their number retired? Or do you think it's going to be 29 or 97? Uh, I, Matt and I have talked about this. We've, I mean, we've all talked about this in the media. I don't think they need to throw another banner up. I I'm honestly one of the people who doesn't hate the whole, you don't get a banner until you're in the hall of fame, but the, the ring of honor needs to happen soon. Like you, you need to get some color into that arena. There's still so much gray everywhere and find a way to honor guys like Ryan Smith and, you know, go down the list, Doug Waite, Bill Guerin, all those guys who played huge roles in teams, but, you know, might not get into the Hall of Fame. Find a way to honor them. Alish Hemsky would be another one I'd love to see in there. Like, I think a wall of honor where it's the player's name and, you know, picture painting, whatever of them next to their name and their number and just sort of around the arena some way, but not officially retiring their number. I think that's the way to go. And I mean, yeah, now that you say it, I honestly do think the next time a number goes up to the rafters, it'll be 29 or 97. That's exactly what I told Hernan at the game yesterday when we were sitting there. I said the next one after four, I think it's going to be Leon. I think Leon's career ends before Connors. And that's, you know, but it's going to be one of those two. There's no one else in between unless all of a sudden Ryan Nugent Hopkins goes off of the next, you know, throughout this contract and all of a sudden becomes a Hall of Fame player. But I'm not expecting that necessarily uh, from RNH. So it's going to be McDavid and or Dreisaitl. Both of those will be going up. It's just a matter who will be first. Um, but I'm like Tyler said, I'm OK with Hall of Fame standard. I'm OK having the banner being this ultimate honor that you have to be one of the best in all of hockey not just a great oiler but also recognized as one of the greats of the game but then you need to do something for everyone else and you know the oilers did announce that they were going to be doing something this year i've heard that that is going to be something like it is going to be within the um the bowls of the arena just like a ring of honor type thing so um you've got to do that and i've always advocated for i think they need a full-on oilers hall of fame where you could put those guys in and it doesn't matter who they are just if you were a great oiler you can go in um, but I do think after Kevin Lowe, we're not going to have one for a very long time when it comes to the banner, or at the very least shouldn't have one for a really long time. Yeah, and I'm with you guys. Like a, a ring of honor, whatever it is, the Oilers Hall of Fame, you could get so many guys, Doug Wade, Ryan Smith, Al Shamsky, guys like that. Um, maybe some people argue even like a Sean Horkov. Uh, that'd be very cool yeah. and something interactive for fans to get involved with. Uh, I'm with that 100%. Let's get to the modern edition of the Edmonton Oilers on Monday night. They defeat the Seattle Kraken a 5-2, to a game where I think we all expected them to win. I don't know if we had Leon Dreisaitl going off for four points, but uh, starting with you, Tyler, uh, anything stand out to you in that victory? 
I'm just still blown away at how many games they've won despite <laughs> not looking very good. Like it always felt like in years past, the Oilers could play really well. They could bring their A game or their B plus game and they'd still lose the game four, three or four, two or whatever. And so far this year, I just keep walking away from games going, man, sloppy turnovers or man, they're bad in their own end or, oh man, they missed a lot of great A chances that they need to find a way to bury and the, or the goaltending's bad. And then you sit there and go, huh, well, but they won. And that was the takeaway for me last night as well. Like they had like six shots on net halfway through the game or whatever. And you're just kind of like, they've been sloppy. They've turned over a lot of pucks. No one aside from like, again, dry sidle has, has been great in this game, but they're winning. And you walk away from the game. They won five, two. And you go, they didn't play good. And that wasn't even like a sweaty victory. That was just kind of like they coasted to an easy win over Seattle. And I just, that keeps being my takeaway is that this team has not played their best hockey yet and they're seven and one. So what's going to happen when they do start playing their best hockey? How about you, Matt? I also look, I also look at it. I'm, I'm very impressed with how Miko Koskinen has played. Like oh, yeah. he's had one bad outing and that was against Philly last week. But you know, in the relief against uh, Anaheim, he played well, played well in the back to backs against Arizona uh and vegas vancouver and then last night he's played really well in it and every game except the one he's given the oilers a chance to win and they've won those games so um when you heard mike smith going down you go okay this is going to be a little interesting how is this going to go miko koskin wasn't that good last year can he carry the load and so far he's done that so exceptionally well that uh that's been a good thing for the edmonton oilers and you know i really loved what i've seen out of that third line too we've always talked about the top six for the edmonton oilers and you know wanting to build out a second line well the oilers have found a way to also build out a third line this off season so uh those are the two things i really look at right now really it's easy to talk about mcdavid and leon and what they're doing and they're doing great things but you've got a third line that's being effective especially with a guy like warren fogel and you've got miko koskin who's playing well that when mike smith comes back you might have two goalies playing well I like where the Oilers are at at about the 10% point of this season. I know you both have, have seen the criticisms of Kyler Yamamoto. Obviously, he got his first goal on Monday night uh, playing on that second line. I've, I've kind of thought that if it wasn't for that third line playing so well, maybe we would have seen some movement in the top nine. But obviously, that like you said, Maddie, the, the third line playing some great hockey right now. When it comes to Kyler Yamamoto, though, I mean, are you, are you sold on him in that second line right wing spot, Matt? Uh, well, it's hard to say, you know, go after him a little bit after he scored a goal, but that's his first game where he's been able to produce <laughs> offensively. And when you're going to play in the top six, especially with guys, you know, either McDavid or Leon or even the Nuge and a Hyman, you've got to be able to put up more points. Like, look, he does a lot of great things. He's very feisty. He's physical. At times he could draw a lot of penalties. And when you have a power play like what the Edmonton Oilers have, if you could draw penalties, that's a great thing because then you get to go uh, with that power play unit out there. But you also still have to produce offensively. Can he do that? We've seen it in the past that he can, but he's got to do that consistently. So, uh, you know, I'm not touching that third line right now. I'm still happy with what they're doing. That I, I know I've talked with Dusty about this a little bit, and he's at that point where he was going into these last few games. He's close to... As much as you love that third line, maybe you do have to change it to change up your top six. But I'm still not there yet. So I, I think the team's doing well enough right now that I'm okay with Kyler Yamamoto in that top six. We'll see if maybe the, he just needed to get that goal out of the way and he could start producing from here on out. Uh, but I'm not sold full. You know, I'm not 100% right now that he's a guy that's going to be in the top six, let's say, by the end of this month. So, Tyler, let's just stick with Kyler Yamamoto and, and you know your thoughts on how he's played so far this year. But long term, do you think he is someone who – can be a fixture on the Oilers' top six, or do you think his his position could be lower down in the lineup? 
I, I was getting so fed up with him in that last game because I was sitting there in my head while I was sitting in the seat. I was like, this is it. This is the last straw. He can't be here anymore because all he'd done through two periods was there was a one-timer chance early where he just bobbled the puck, and I don't even think he got a shot off. And then there was another chance where he messed up an odd man rush, and I was like, that's it. Like, if you're not going to produce and you're going to – Never mind not produce, but if you're going to actively blow grade A scoring chances, you can't be in the top six. And I like the stuff Matt said because, you know, he does forecheck hard and he does draw penalties and he has a bit of energy when he's out there on the ice. But if that's what you're going to bring and you're not going to bring any offense, then that's the description of a third line player. So he should be playing on the third line. And yes, it's weird to rip a guy after he scored a goal and it was a great goal and a big goal for the team. But in his coming into that game, he had played 36 games, including the playoffs with Nugent Hopkins or Dreisaitl, and he had one goal. I'm not like completely absolving him of his cold streak or saying he's out of it because now he has two in his last 37. Like I just, I still need to see him do it consistently. One game and one goal isn't going to quiet and it shouldn't quiet the criticism of Yamamoto for like two weeks or anything. The one thing that has benefited Kyle Yamamoto is that the Oilers are winning hockey games and that there was a third line playing so well. Yep. If they were losing games and the third line was maybe not as effective as it was been, I guarantee you Dave Tippett would have been quicker to either put Warren Fogle or Jack Cassian up in that lineup. But Yamamoto has benefited from the fact that the team has been winning hockey games and that third line has played so well together. And I wouldn't take him off until you have a two or three game losing streak. Like there's really yeah. no reason to do it. Don't mess with a winning lineup. Like even though Yamamoto's not producing it, everything they're doing is working. So don't split him up yet. That line, you know, outscored the Kraken two nothing at five on five last game. There's no reason to split them up now, but once they start struggling, or I should say maybe if they start struggling, um, that's gotta be the first move coming from Dave Tippett is to get Yamamoto out of the top six. Just quickly for that one, uh, just one final question regarding Kyler Yamamoto. If that, that came to be and David Tippett does not want to switch his first line or his third line. Is there anyone else in the Oilers lineup that you think could jump up there and play second line minutes with Leon Draisaitl and Kyler Yamamoto or, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins in a pinch? Tyler, I, Fogel's the guy for me. Um, you know he he has experience playing either wing. I would give I'd give Fogel a look before I give Cassian a look. I just think Fogel has a little bit better offensive instinct, so it's Fogel for me. How about you, Matt? Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm good with Fogel. If you're not touching the third line, that's where it gets really iffy though, because you know, it's either Perlini or I guess you're then hoping at that point, Holloway's healthy like that, that this goes long enough that Holloway's healthy enough that he can slot in that lineup. Otherwise, like the only change I think that you could honestly make that makes sense is having to mess with that third line. And that's again, why I think Kyler Yamamoto is kind of in a good spot where Tippett might sit there for a while and just go, I don't want to break that lineup enough. And, We'll just live with what we have in a sense because you still have Leon and Ryan Nugent Hopkins out there and they'll still do some good things and just have to suck it up a little bit with Yamamoto. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win their game and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, it's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. 
Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, guys, looking at the Oilers' blue line here, I, I want to jump to the second pairing and just ask you, based on the on-ice play, not uh, political opinions, not <laughs> what you paid to bring them in, not their salary... Uh, we'll start with you, Maddie. What have you thought of Duncan Keith and Cody Cece? Uh, I thought they've been better than I've expected this year. I will say that. I think Cody Cece's had a pretty good season so far. Um, have they had some other mistakes? Have they had some of the errors where you sit there and go, oh boy, there have been a few of those. There's no question about that. But uh, I'll chalk that a little bit up to also a, a chemistry. You know, these two guys coming together didn't really get much of training camp um together that they they've now had to work through everything and chemistry wise on the ice the regular season um but so far i just i look at that those two and i'm i'm happy with what i've seen like i can't say i thought that they might be an utter tire fire in their own zone and i haven't seen it fully get to anything like that and um i think they've done their job but i mostly i look at a guy like cody cease and i've been pretty impressed with what he's done so far now again it is only 10 games in let's see a little further and um, but right now, I'm, I'm I'm okay with what I've gone out of, I've seen out of that second pair. How about you, Tyler? I I got a few things. Yeah, I've been <laughs> they've been better than I expected, but that's really not saying all too much because I didn't expect a lot out of them. Um, I think they've been an average second pairing. They've made a few good plays. They've also had a couple of really ugly breakdowns that have cost the Oilers goals already this season. And the the area where I'll argue with your question a little is you know ignoring the salaries and. It's it's the salary cap NHL. Like yeah. they're paying Duncan Keith and and Cody Cece a total of what nine million dollars to be their second pairing. They're spending a lot of money on this second pairing, and it's been average. If I'm spending a lot of money on something, I want it to be more than average. So, you know, have they been better than I expected? Yes. Does that mean I'm thrilled with what the Oilers have gotten out of them? No, because I still think that that nine million dollars could have been spent in a better way on this blue line. So I, again, don't love what I'm seeing out of them, but it's better than expected, so I guess I won't complain. <laughs> that's, oh, that's totally fair. I mean, I, and I think that the reason I worded it that way is because everyone would agree with what you just said. Like the money, yeah, it's a little bit too much, but uh, I, yeah, just from what you've seen so far, I guess uh, better than expected is uh, a positive if you look at it that way. Uh, Tyler, we'll stick with you on this one. How about Evan Bouchard, a guy when you want to talk about contracts, you're getting some value there, despite maybe playing his worst game against the Kraken. Yeah, I was going to say really, really rough game for uh, for Evan Bouchard against the Seattle Kraken. When he was on the ice at five on five, the Oilers were outshot 11 to six. The Corsi events were 21 to nine in that game. And he looked really bad on that Jaden Schwartz goal as well. Um, so a rough game against Seattle. But I mean, the way he's playing here for the most part is really, really surprising. Like I had a kind of hot take on one of my podcasts earlier this year that I said, you know, by trade deadline time, Bouchard will be on the top pairing. And a few people were like, no, no, that's Barry's spot. Barry won't be bad. And it's not even really like Barry has been that bad, in my opinion. It's just Bouchard was has been so good before that Seattle game that he really earned that spot. So it's exciting. You're getting value out of him because he's on an ELC as well. And based on how much money they're spending elsewhere on this blue line, it's a good thing that they're getting this much value out of Bouchard. 
How about you, Matt? Yeah, what do you think about him? Uh, yeah, I look at Evan Boucher and like, you're, look, this is going to be his first year in the National Hockey League where he's a full-time NHLer. So you're going to have some of those nights yeah. like you do against the Seattle Kraken, but uh, he's been playing well. And it's, it's the opposite of the Kyler Yamamoto situation in a sense where he hasn't been playing well, but no one has jumped up to take that spot or has been in a position that you really want. You could afford to make that change. Whereas very, you know, just a little slower of a start to the season, but with the way Evan Bouchard has been playing, it gives Dave Tippett an easy option to make a little switch there by moving Barry down and Bouchard up. But this has also been just one of the reasons why the Oilers are in a nice spot somewhere. Like the cap situation is still going to be difficult for the next few years. But this is the one saving grace that they have is that you have a potential for some defensemen to come in who will be on ELC to give you this value. Evan Bouchard being the first is maybe a Philip Broberg going to be able to come up over the next few seasons or a Samarukov where he'll, there'll be guys who are giving you you know great value for a cheaper price on the cap hit. And uh, it, it's a good start to the season for Evan Bouchard and we'll see if he can continue playing like this. Um, you're going to have some more nights though, again, like the Seattle Kraken because this is again the first you know full season of the National Hockey League. Talk to Strud's anytime. It it gets grueling these type of seasons when you're not used to the full travel and playing all these games all the time. So there will be some more nights where he, he might not be at his best, but overall this season, you've got to be extremely excited about what you've seen out of a very young defenseman who's looked like an NHL defenseman. Uh, between the pipes, uh, Tom Gazzola has been reporting that Mike Smith looks like he's getting closer to get back out there, but obviously been out for a little while with the injury. Uh, start with you, Matt. Any surprise that we didn't see Stuart Skinner at all, or have you been pretty happy with Miko? The only surprise is potentially for me would have been in that those his first that first game against Arizona because you often. Um, you know, don't like going goalies back-to-back games. So that one at the time, even I said, I, I understood why you're going with Koskinen both for Dave Tippett, but I, I would have potentially played Skinner against Arizona. Outside of that, when you look at the Oilers' schedule, firstly, it's been very light. You know, they have had a lot of days off between games. And then you look at the play Miko Koskinen has been giving the Oilers. He's been great in net. I haven't seen any reason for the team to go to Stuart Skinner. Now, if Mike Smith was still going to be out for another three, four weeks, and you look at the schedule that you got in November, then yeah, Stuart Skinner better be getting some hockey games in that point. But with Mike Smith coming back now, he'll go to Bakersfield and he'll get his games. And there was no situation that you look at over the, you know, since Mike Smith's gone down, that you go, Stuart Skinner had to play in that game. No, Miko Koskinen's your backup. He's been playing well, and there's been a lot of time off between games. There was no reason to go to Skinner, so I'm completely fine with Dave Tippett not going to him. Tyler, and, like Koskinen's been playing so good. Like when people were <laughs> after the Koskinen game against Philly, when he had you know his one kind of stinker, everyone was like, "Oh, you got to go to Skinner. You got to see what you have in yeah. Skinner." And it's like we kind of saw that last year. And not that players you know can't improve or anything like that, but Stuart Skinner didn't look great last year in NHL action. He's an American League goalie, and Miko Koskinen, even after that Philly game, had a nine twenty six save percentage. And I just didn't understand the portion of the fan base that was screaming for Koskinen's head and. And wanting to go with an AHL guy over someone who had a 926 save percentage. So I'm not overly surprised. I agree with Matt. Like maybe in those double headers to kick things off, they could have gone with Skinner in one of them. But at the end of the day, this isn't the make sure everyone gets equal playing time yep. league. This isn't the developmental league. It's the National Hockey League. You need to win. And Koskinen gives them a way better chance to win than Stuart Skinner. And you go to Koskinen after that Vancouver game also as a sign of confidence. How many times do we see Dave yep. Tippett? go back to Mike Smith after a poor game or a less than stellar game last season. That, you do that with Miko Koskin here. Go, I've got full confidence in you that you're going to rebound, get out there. And he did, and he, he's playing great hockey. That This is a perfect situation for Dave Tippett. We're now, I think, moving forward when Mike Smith comes back. He's got all the confidence in the world. Are he better? 
that he could go to Miko Koskinen when he needs to. Do you guys think uh, Stuart Skinner gets into a game this year? No. Yes. You think so? I think there'll some be injuries? some sort of injury at some yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that, that could happen. Uh, I think if there's a significant injury, they'll just, they'll just go trade for someone. Who do you think they would look like, for? Like if a guy goes, if, if it's like Mike Smith is going down for two months, then they'll go trade for someone. I don't think they'll yeah. be like, oh, let's hope this Skinner guy keeps us in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. What if it was like a week? Do you think they just roll with Miko Koskinen and just bring Skinner up? Yeah. It all depends on the schedule. Yeah, that too. That too. Yeah. Oh, well, let's, yeah. let's not hope for injury, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Tyler, I know you were at the game last night, correct? Yep. Sitting Sitting in the stands with the fans? Yes. How frustrating is it to watch a game and watch Connor McDavid get hooked and grabbed and the refs just have that reluctance to throw the hand up? And it's funny because like the McDavid rush didn't it wasn't quite as egregious as some other stuff they've missed on him. The game against Philly, that one happened right in front of my seats, and I looked at the ref and he was staring at where McDavid was tripped and shaking his head saying no. And in my mind I'm just like you saw it then like you you saw the trip and you're just acknowledging right now by shaking your head that you aren't going to call it it was it blew my mind and the other one that drove me crazy was actually when Tanev smoked shore right in front of the ref like <laughs> Alexiak's going for the puck Tanev didn't even glance at where the puck was he just went right for shore and knocked him down and the ref just looked at him and I'm just I mean yeah best officials in the world I suppose but Holy man, I couldn't believe how terrible that was. What do you think their reluctance is to make these calls? Like we we talk about how, and, and I know we're kind of beating a dead horse here, but it, it's black and white. Like if you see the infraction, call it. It doesn't matter that the Oilers' power play is kicking ass right now. Like Maddie, why are the refs over time just still not figuring this out? Because they don't want to impact the game. They don't want to be seen as influencing the game, even though when they're not doing this, they're influencing the game. That's what it comes down to in my eyes. It's the sense where if you give, you know, you look at the Oilers power play and you just look how good it is. Everyone's talking about it. It's not just in Edmonton, but around hockey. And if you're going to call all those infractions, well, you're really hurting the other team by putting the Oilers power play out there for two minutes where McDavid and Leon and Nugent Barry and Hyman could go do, you know, their magic. And they don't want to be the story in that sense. But by doing so, they are the story. And I don't know how this ever changes. I really don't. Because it's when the situation happened last year, all the GMs were okay with game management, the refs doing this. It doesn't seem like hockey's going to change. You look at the front office. The guys have been there for decades. They don't want to change these type of things. The fans and media, we're all going to complain about this forever. But until I think players vocally, you know, step to microphones and really talk about this, I think we're stuck watching this, which is just awful to say. Just a couple more questions for you guys. Really appreciate you doing this tonight. Of course, the Oilers in action on a Wednesday evening, taking on the Nashville Predators, who take on the Flames on a Tuesday night. Uh, the Preds right now winners of three straight. The Calgary Flames winning six in a row. And uh, that, that's interesting to see. The Battle of Alberta could be uh, very interesting to watch down the stretch here. But when you look at the Preds, uh, Tyler, what do you think the key to victory is taking on a team that, as of late, is playing better hockey? Yeah, they're playing, they're playing pretty good hockey. They're 500. They got a plus one goal differential. They've only allowed 22 goals in eight games as well. So they're averaging under three goals against. And in a way, it's actually to me similar to the Seattle matchup. You have a team in Edmonton who doesn't do a great job of preventing offense, but they do a great job of pushing offense and getting scoring chances and finding the back of the net. And you have a team in Seattle who I think 
you know, will struggle to score at times this or sorry, a team in Nashville who will struggle to score at times this year, similar to Seattle, but their strength is going to be in their, in their goaltending and in their blue line. So it's two teams tomorrow in Edmonton and Nashville going up against each other that are almost polar opposites of each other. So I really think it'll just come down to, I know this sounds like a little bit of a cop out answer, but it'll come down to who executes their plan the best because they're both going to be trying to do entirely different things. What do you think, Maddie? Thanks. I expect an Oilers team to, you know, last night they took on a Kraken team that was playing on the back end of a back-to-back. They were in Seattle the night before. But it felt like the Oilers, so a large part of some of the Oilers last night, were, were just not crisp or sharp enough. Um, and, you know, they, you know, and what was the shots after, like, the first period? Like, the Oilers only, like, five or shots or something like that. Tomorrow, the Preds are right now in Calgary tonight. And that's, yeah, that's you know, th- this is going to be another situation where this Oilers team is going to be taking on a team that's on the back end of a back-to-back, traveling to town. And I think they'll come out with a, a different attitude. You know, Dave Tippett, after you listen to his postgame, on Monday, he wasn't fully impressed with his full team. He praised the dry set of line. He praised Keith and um, Assisi. He praised Koskinen. But he, you know, he wants to see more from the rest of the team. And I think that that message will be sent in practice. It was today. It will be the message that will be sent to the players tomorrow. And I'm also expecting a pretty big game from Connor McDavid. You know, it's it's funny that we're gonna. You know, I think Connor, you and I were talking about this at the station today. The last two games, he only had one point. And for Connor, that's a that's a slump almost for him. So I'm expecting him uh, to jump up and just have a, you know, a more Connor McDavid like game tomorrow against the entire Nashville team. And so, on that note, he hasn't really like he, this is going to sound like the weirdest thing ever. You know, he's only averaging one five on five point per game right now. That's a little slow for Connor. <laughs> <laughs> so are we, uh, we're all going the over two and a half points for McDavid on Wednesday night then? Oh, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I found a bet builder that'll let you do McDavid and Drysaddle over two and a half combined assists at plus 200. Are you kidding me? What a lock. What a lock. <laughs> oh, I love it. And just final question for you guys, uh, just about those Flames, because they are playing such good hockey right now. Uh, Ty, you mentioned how, you know, Nashville's only given up 22 goals in eight games played. The Flames only allowed 15 goals in eight games played. They've won a six straight, playing very well right now. How surprising are you are you to see this from the team to the south? Oh, I'm I'm really surprised, but what I'll say is I don't think Jacob Markstrom's gonna end the year with a nine fifty seven save percentage. I don't think Johnny Goudreau's gonna shoot like twenty three percent, and I certainly know for a fact that Lindholm and Mangiapani won't shoot above thirty percent all season. So they'll come back down to earth. Maddie, th- this is good for hockey, right? Like, this is what we want to see, the two Alberta teams making it tough. It's, you know, you look at what happened before COVID. It was the Oilers-Flames series were incredible. You know, you had everything happen with Zach Cassin. You had the big brawl between, you know, the two teams and the goalies fighting. And we were all looking, I think it was April 30th, they were supposed to meet or whatever it was, for that oh, April 6th or something like that, for the final game of the regular season. We're all so excited because... Maybe that would have also then led into a playoff series between the two teams. And then COVID hit, and we were now two years later almost, and the world has been crap. But maybe we're now back to a point where we can see the Oilers and Flames make a playoffs, and we can finally have a great battle of Alberta in the playoffs because who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to see these two teams going at it and all the, you know, the animosity between the two cities? It'd be so much fun. Uh, we almost had it, and then the world went to shit. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yes, world. it did. So now the world owes us. The world Absolutely. owes us a battle of Alberta to make up for COVID. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it'd be it'd be almost a, a 
a good bounce back for us, I guess. Almost almost might make things better uh, for what's gone on in the last year and almost two years, whatever it's been. Uh, Matty Wanick, you'll be hosting the Dave Jameson Show tomorrow at uh, noon, TSN 1260. Tyler, what's going on with the the Nations and DFO and, and all that? We are live at 10, mount, 10 a.m. Mountain Time every day with the Daily Face-Off Show with Frank Cervalli, myself, and a rotating co-host. And uh, every Oilers game day, I'm live on uh, the Oilers Nation Twitter account with Caroline Schved to give you a little pregame show. So uh, that's what's coming up tomorrow for me. So 10 a.m., you've got Tyler. Then you switch over to TSN 1260 at noon for Matt Awanek, And uh, then just keep it on TSN 1260 the rest of the day because you'll be set up for <laughs> the Oilers and the Preds. Uh, guys, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Anytime. Of course. Great stuff from Tyler Yaremchuk and Matthew Awanik. You can give Matty a follow on Twitter, at Matthew Awanik. Of course, he is the host right now of the Dave Jameson Show, TSN 1260, Monday through Friday from noon until 2. As for Tyler Yaremchuk, he's the content guy with the Nation Network. You can get him on Oilers Nation, Jay's Nation, Daily Faceoff, and make sure to give him a follow on Twitter, at Tyler Yaremchuk. That's going to do it for another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. As we've talked about just a little bit here on the show, the Oilers will take on the Nashville Predators Wednesday night. It's a 6.30 puck drop pregame coverage on TSN 1260 from 5.30 to 6.30 with Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself for the Edmonton Oilers. After that, they take on the New York Rangers on Friday. That one's a 7.30 puck drop. They will be retiring the number four of Kevin Lowe before that one. So if you are going to the game, I think you want to get down there by like 5.30. Give yourself plenty of time, and it uh, should be a very fun evening for the Edmonton Oilers right now. If you're a stats person, Leon Draisaitl, Connor McDavid, leading the way for the Oilers with 17 points. Leon Draisaitl coming off that four-point performance against the Seattle Kraken on Monday night. I think Leon Draisaitl is going to push Connor McDavid to new heights this year. I think Connor McDavid is going to have a big game on Wednesday when they take on the Nashville Predators. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, of course. Tearing it up with the assists. He's got 11 assists on the season. Uh, no goals yet for him. Yes, he pulled the RV right now. Two goals, seven assists with nine points on the season. And Zach Hyman, what a player he's been for the Edmonton Oilers. Six goals this season. He's got two assists, eight points on the year. And uh, hopefully they can keep that trend going when they take on the Preds and the Rangers later on this week. But as I said, that's going to do it for us here on the Other Connor Podcast. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. If you're going to sign up on DraftKings, use promo code THPN. And make sure you download and subscribe this on all the platforms. It helps me out. I would appreciate it a lot. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We'll talk to you next time here on the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.